Hello, and welcome to the Flourishing Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to tune in today. We have an exciting message in store for you. We encourage you to share and invite your friends and family to tune in. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. We would love to connect with you. You can connect with us on social media or email us at info at flourishing.church. And now time for a very special message. Enjoy. are dismissed, so give it up for Flourishing Kids as they go, and uh, I don't know about you, but I felt like for a second there, like, fear can go to hell. I'm like, can we say that in church? And then I'm like, yeah, I kind of like that. Come on, anybody else, like, take a double take? Like, fear can go, okay, yeah, yeah, and shame can go there too. I love it. Uh, We are continuing our series on number seven, Trust the process. And the whole uh, thing about the seven is all throughout scripture, as you read, there's all these stories with the number seven in it that we can kind of overlook, or we can actually go, hey, there's a story behind this, and there's a process. Uh, just like uh, the, de- the creation, what it, God was a process. It was seven days, the process of creation. We see different things like Naaman getting healed, dipping seven times in to the Jordan River. We talked about uh, just a couple weeks ago, the Bible says that Samuel told Saul, the first king of Israel, hey, listen, wait for seven days. And on the seventh day, I'm going to come and do the sacrifice before you go and face the enemy. But Saul, he actually waited seven days But right at the end, while Samuel, the Bible says, was on his way, he took it into his own hands. He, 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 in a sense, despised the process. He gave up on the process. And because of it, the Bible says that Samuel said, hey, you're no longer going to be king. And all of history was changed because now who do we refer to uh, Jesus as? We refer to him as Jesus, son of David. When actually Saul was the first king, but he was replaced because he didn't trust the process. And so that's what we're talking about. Some of these stories in the Bible, not just reading them to read them and kind of checking off a list. We went to church this morning and we read a few scriptures, but really we're like, God, speak to us through your word. How many of you believe the Bible is God's word for us? And so that's my prayer this morning is as we pray, I'm praying, God, I pray that you speak to us. And then not only do you speak to us, but you know what? When he speaks through his word, he speaks individually. He'll say something to you. He'll say something different to you. He'll say something to you. He'll say something to me. He'll say something to all of it. And through his word, will speak through what we're in the middle of. And so then I'm praying for that. And then I'm also praying. The Bible says that there was a, 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 a eunuch who was reading the Bible, Ethiopian eunuch, and the book of Acts and the Bible says that Philip came upon him and the eunuch said, hey, would you explain this scripture? So I'm praying that today God will anoint me to get into this so that we can leave change because that is actually the working of the word of God. It will change us so that we 
leave this place changed. Anybody want to leave changed? Anybody want to just stay the same? You're like, I'm just checking in for a little bit and then leaving the same way. Or is there anybody here that says, come on, God, would you have an encounter with me so that I can change half of you? The rest of you were too lazy to lift your hands. Come on. How many of you believe in that in Jesus name? So let's pray. Father God, like we declared, this is your word. So I pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would have a thus saith the Lord moment where you would speak to us that today wouldn't just be a recreational thing that we do on Sundays. We just go to church because that's what we did when we lived in Mississippi. No, God, this is special today because you want to do something powerful. You want to empower us. You want to change us. And we want to have an encounter with you so that we leave this place changed. So God, we thank you for that right now in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. So I want to read this story, a very famous story with the number seven. It's found in Joshua chapter six, verses two through five. And the New Living Translation says this, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its warriors. Let's just pause right there. All of a sudden, God says, hey, I've got great future for you. I have given you this city. I've given you the king and all of its warriors. All you got to do, what's coming next, is trust the process. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times. And with the priests blowing the horns, and when you hear the priests give one long blast of the ram's horns, have all the people... People shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight through. This morning, I just want to say to you and I that the process is the best thing that could ever happen to you and I. Now, we're in the middle of the process. Nobody likes it, right? But this process was one of the greatest moments of the children of Israel's life. For 400 years, they had been in slavery. For the last 40 years, they have been wandering in the wilderness. And now is the moment that they're about to walk into their prophetic promise. Come on. Anybody believe here that God's got some things for you in the future? Come on. Anybody believe that? And all God says is, would you just trust me with this process? If you can trust me with the process, you will possess what I've prophetically told you to do. And so while we're in the middle of the process, it's so tough. It's so difficult. But like James says, James chapter one, verse two through four says, consider it Hear joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Come on. Whenever you're in the middle of the process, consider it, think it, pure joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. I remember uh, my first job in ministry was a, was I, uh, they ordained me while I was in Bible college to be the junior high 
youth pastor. And uh, I was so ecstatic. I was now a pastor to the kids that didn't wear deodorant and burped in class. And I felt like I had arrived. And uh, what they did is they, um, up in our church, we had this massive balcony on the upstairs. And on the way, the stairs to the balcony there was like this closet that didn't even have a roof. If you were walking in the balcony, you could look over and they said, Israel, now that you're the junior high youth pastor, we have an office for you. And it was this closet up by the attic. And uh, this was way before HGTV. This was way before uh, do-it-yourself programs. But Rachel and I, we may have, maybe we started the, pro- maybe we started the fad, but we went up there and we reminded modeled that closet. We got paint and it went from this ugly brown to bright white. We found, we dumpster dived and we found a, like a couch and we bought new fabric and we reupholstered it. And so from the outside, it looked really new. But if you would have lifted it up and you see our staple marks, you would have known how ugly it really was and how bad of upholstery were. We put all these things, we put these little photos up and everything. And it was the coolest hangout. It went from retro to chic. Come on, somebody. It went from old school 70s, nobody had ever been there, to now the coolest hangout in the entire church facility. Everyone wanted to hang out in the junior high youth lounge. And one day, one of the Bible college professors, because we also had a Bible college at our campus, came up and went into my office and was like, this is cool. Sat down and my reupholstered couch and was like this is nice and wouldn't you know two days later my one of my pastors one of my bosses pulled me aside and said hey Israel uh, uh, I just want you to know we're moving you offices Uh, the professor of the Bible college uh, he doesn't have an office and he is way more important than you uh, because you're just teaching kids uh, and uh, we are changing offices and, and he's going to have your office and we're going to give you another office. Can I just tell you that wasn't my greatest moment of Christian uh, uh, faith and trusting the process. I was actually mad because I was like, he wouldn't even have wanted that office unless we had cleaned it. And I'm like, fine, well, then I'm going to take the carpet that I put in there. I'm going to take the couch and I'm going to paint it brown again. Come on. Anybody have that thought when you're going through the process? Only two of you. Thank you. One person that will admit it. Come on. And I just like, are you kidding me? So to make matters worse, I was already in a closet. They moved me to another closet that was no bigger than half of this rug. Not only that, it had stairs above it, so you had to duck in just to be in it. And the only desk that would fit, a normal office desk wouldn't fit, only a school, like a, a third grade school desk would fit, and it was right there. I look like Billy Madison going back to school with a little shampoo's better. And I was like right in this little desk, and the phone that was there for my office office was almost the size of the desk and I was mad come on anybody ever get mad in the middle of the process and I I just remember just being like I, I, I thought of all the reasons why I shouldn't be in that office 
And I, I kind of had some attitude and the professor and the stupid. And I just felt like God was just telling me, you'll continue this test until you pass it and get it right. And I just remember the Holy Spirit like, come on, you can either pass this now or you can pass this 10 years from now. When are you going to pass this test? When are you going to trust me? When are you going to make it through this process? And so I just bit my lip. Come on, somebody. I just said, yeah, not a big deal. And I went in to my little office and I had to duck my head under so I wouldn't hit my head. And I made my phone calls to the junior high kids because remember, that's an old school landline member. Come on back in the day. And you call them and say, come on, don't forget youth group is this Wednesday. And I and did all of that, and I just was happy, no big deal. The, uh, uh, I'd even say hi to the other professor in the um, in my old office, no big deal. I passed the test, I was good, I was okay. And wouldn't you know, about a month or two months later, I get uh, my, the, I get another call from my boss. He has me come into his office, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're moving offices again. <laughs> like, now I'm going to be outside in the shed. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? There's like, hey, we're actually changing offices, and we, we just built a new building, and so there's these only three new offices, and you're actually going to be one of them. And of all the offices in the, uh, the whole facilities, there were only three that had windows, and I got an office with a window. Now, it was jail size, but it was still a window. Come on. And it was just so uh, hilarious to me as I had an opportunity to get offended. I had an opportunity to see they don't value me. I had an opportunity to not pass that test. And I'm so glad I trusted the process then because I've had several other tests in life. Come on, how many of you know you don't just pass one, you've got several. And there's so many times because I learned early, it was easier to learn later. And so I'm praying that today as we begin to trust the process, it helps us quickly become part of our spiritual muscle memory that comes on I embrace the process I love the process this process is only going to make me better turn to your neighbor and say it's only gonna make you better nobody I saw half of you didn't even turn to anybody come on turn to somebody and say it's only gonna make you better amen I love this so here they are the children of Israel and they are told hey part of the process Every day, get up and go around Jericho. Can you imagine? Here you are. There's a million of you. Most theologians say there's a million uh, of the Hebrews. Most archaeologists say it's probably about a mile circumference. And every morning, they got, you know, the snooze alarm goes off. You know, you hit it three times, right? Because you know you have 20 minutes still to go. And you get up, and they all line up out of their tents, and they go around in a circle. And they just keep going, and they keep going, and they keep going. One time, and you're like, oh. And, and I think the first day, you're probably excited about it, right? But how many of you know by day three, 
you are fed up with the walls of Jericho. Come on, you're like, nothing's happened. There's no, you don't see any breaches. You don't see any cracks. There's no erosion. It looks like nothing has happened. And one of the reasons why it's so great for us to embrace the process, for us to say like James, consider it pure joy, is the process is what teaches us to live by faith and not by sight. And that is one of the major differences between a believer, a Christ follower, and a non-believer, someone that doesn't follow Jesus, is as Christians, as Christ followers, we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. We don't base everything based on what we see. If we based everything on what we saw, we should just give up and throw in the flag now. Come on, what we see in our country, what we see in the news, sometimes what we see in our marriage, what we see in our career, what we see with our children, but we don't make a decision based on what we see. We make a decision based on faith that we trust God, that he knows what he's doing. So even though we go around one time and nothing happens, second day, nothing happens, third day, nothing happens, there's still something inside of us that says, come on, I'm not basing this on what I see I'm basing this on what God said and God already said the city is mine the king is mine the warriors are mine all I have to do is trust him come on it's like the song even when I don't see it come on I still know he's working on my behalf as Christ followers that's part of our DNA that's 101 Christianity we don't base things on what we see oh my goodness whoa we would be full of anxiety we should be full of fear we should be all kinds of things if we base it on what we see but as christ followers come on we know that god is working on our behalf even if we don't see it in the natural we know god is doing something come on anybody here today glad that god is already doing something come on anybody glad god is already doing something and so it's so good why is it great why is it great because the process trains us come on there in the process you're actually getting trained for your future did you know that there were 31 other kings in israel that the children of israel were going to have to have victory over did you know this time around jericho was just training them for the other victories that you were, they were going to have. And, and if they weren't uh, ready now, how would they ever be ready in the future? And I can remember, you know, I have uh, uh, run the New York City Marathon two times, and I try to bring it up every time I can just to, just to let people know. Come on. It, was, it didn't even have anything to do with my story. I was just like, you know, I ran the New York City Marathon. Uh, but uh, honestly, it, 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 the, the training matters. The first time I ran the race, I almost died because I actually never trained. I was just like, it's just a marathon. Just run. Forrest Gump did it. I can do it. Uh, and then the second time I actually, because the first time almost killed me, I, I would run tw- I run on the weekend, like 22 miles, 25 miles. Then when it came time for the marathon, it was a piece of cake because I had trained before. And all the things that we're going through is just training. 
It's just, this is, this is the situation that you're dealing with in your career. It's just training you for your next position. Come on, that situation that you're dealing with your kid, you're going to have another situation and you're going to know what to do because you didn't throw in the towel, you didn't quit, and it's just part of training. And here, all of a sudden, the children of Israel are told, go around in a circle and don't do nothing. Well, what was that doing? Well, they had been wandering for 40 years. Which way do you want to go? I don't know. Which way do you want to go? What do you want to eat? I don't know. You want to eat some manna? Let's eat some manna. Come on. And and so now God is training them. You're about to possess. You're about to go from wandering to possession. And so I want you every day. I want you because I'm I'm breaking some mentalities off of you. Before you just did things aimlessly, you wandered. Now I'm getting you to possess. And so there's some things I'm going to break off of you. Some of us are in the middle of a process because it's training us to break off the old mentality so that we can grab a hold of the new mentality. I'm glad my wife says amen to it, but I would really like some other people to go, yeah, come on, I get what you're saying. Does that make sense? It's breaking off. Why are we going? Why why am I in this process? Why am I considering it joy? Because I'm breaking off some of the bad so that I can grab a hold of what God has for me. Think about it. They're, they're, They're going around, breaking something off. Maybe the whole time, did you hear what they had to do? They had to be quiet. A million people walking a mile and not a word said. Do you know how hard that is in 2021 to not say something? Because you know they were talking trash. Come on, I, I saw Monty Python in the Holy Grail. I know they were on that wall talking trash to the children of Israel. Come on, you know that they were saying things. And you know that it's so easy because we want to respond. Sometimes we want to say we live in a polarizing world that there are keyboard ninjas and they're always having to say what their opinion is, what they think about something. We just can't stop but to just say something. And do you know the Bible says this, that even a fool seems wise when he can just keep his mouth quiet? Maybe the process is just us learning to zip it. Now none of you are going to say amen because you're like, okay, this is the time to be quiet. No, 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 no. But but does that make sense? Sometimes the process is just to get us to shut up. I shouldn't say that in church. We said, shame, go to hell. And now I just said, shut up. I'm so sorry. My mom, if she's watching, is going to wash my mouth out with soap. Uh, uh, but, but isn't it true? Sometimes we're in the process just to learn to not tell everybody we're in the process, not to just to be quiet and not to complain about it, not to talk bad about it, not to go off on the wall. Can you believe they built a wall? so easy to get mad and say things. Sometimes God just wants us to be in the process to teach us to zip it. Come on, that was really good. You can say amen to that. Maybe he's just trying to train you, like I was saying, to be in shape. (laughs) They went from chilling, picking up manna, to now they're about to take over 31 different kings 
towns. They're going to be, these boots are made for walking. Come on. They're about to get in shape. They're doing hit exercise every morning. Come on. High intensity interval training. Go around that wall and then stop. But it was all training because they would have never been able to do seven times on the seventh day until they learned how to do one time on the first day. And all of a sudden, they're getting more in shape. That first one, they're checking their resting heart meat, and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so hot. And then, but by the land, come on, the seven times, I got this. Come on, let's go, let's go, we got this. Ah! Walls come down, they're not out of breath after shouting, and they're able to go in and possess. Why? Because maybe God was training them. Maybe part of the process is just getting you ready for what God has for you next. Amen? Maybe, maybe the process is teaching us to slow down. Because who's in front of us? All slow Mary, molasses Mary, just going slow. A million people, and Mary's just slow. I, I don't know about you, but slow people bug me sometimes. Anybody know? I, um, I, 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 tra- I travel a lot, and, 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 and I, and, but I know my deal, man. I got it. I, got, I know when you go, you take out your laptop out of your bag. You take off your belt. It's real easy. It's the same every single time. There's nothing new that is happening. It's the same thing. You take off your belt. You can't go through the line with a gun or a machete. You have to leave those at home. But every time, you can't have a water bottle in your bag. But every time I go to the airport, I am waiting with molasses Mary who didn't realize that you can't do that. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, it's the same every time. I guess I'm the only one. (laughs) But here you do. Here's the story. Learning to enjoy. (laughs) Mary's in front of me. And she's slow, but maybe God's teaching me something because I go, 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 I might miss the moment. And maybe God's teaching us, come on, you only get one time to be with your 12-year-old. Come on, you only get one time to be in this situation. Come on, don't rush my presence. Come on, he wants to speak to us. One moment with God is worth the extra moment of quietness that we don't know what's happening. It's okay because God could speak to us. Come on, it's okay to enjoy the moment because tomorrow is not promised. And those that of us that are like me, that are go, 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 and come on, move. I'm going up the escalator and I hate the people that stand like this. Get over this side so I can get up there twice as fast. This is the good moment. Uh, God is just teaching me to enjoy the moment with molasses Mary, who's just enjoying the walls. It's so cool. They're so tall. Just enjoy. Come on. How many of you know? Sometimes the process is just teaching us to enjoy the moment. The other thing the Bible says is that the uh, process, they had to follow. They had to follow the priests. 
So he couldn't just get up in the morning and go, man, I'm going to get this done. <laughs> I'm just going to go run around and, and tell uh, uh, Joshua, hey, yeah, y'all do it because I already got mine in, <laughs> right? Everybody else might be sleeping in, but I got mine in. I'm an early riser. No, no, no. You had to follow directions. And again, in 2021, we're not creating a society that likes to be told how to do anything. You don't tell me what to do or I'll move to Texas. Don't you tell me what I can and can't do because, right, we don't like that. But if we don't learn submission now, we'll learn the hard way in another situation. You you can't obey this boss. Don't think your next job is going to be so much easier and then everybody's just going to be, just do what you want. And if you go, I can't have a boss, I'll start my own business, you won't like you. (laughs) Right? Part of the process is learning to take directions, learning to follow. I don't like this. My flesh hates being told what to do. I hate it when you say, I've got to do this. It actually, when you say, I have to do it, there's a part of me that rises up and says, oh yeah? Am I the only one? Come on. Oh, thank you. But it's good because the process breaks it off and says, you know what? I'm not in control. I'm following you, God. You're not following me. And unfortunately, as a Christ follower, I have told God what direction he needs to go a few times. How many of you know that didn't work very well in my life? And the greatest thing that we can do is learn to say, no, this process is actually teaching me to follow and obey. And that's a good thing. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Why is this great? Because the process is creating the fruit of God's spirit in us. Ah, the process actually produces the fruit of God's spirit in us. Again, the difference between a non-believer and a believer should be the fruit we should have Peace. We should have what I mean, love. Come on, we should have long suffering or patience, according to uh, Galatians chapter five, verse twenty-two. One of the fruits of living a life dominated and led by the Holy Spirit is we should be producing the fruit of patience. And so the process is actually causing that to happen. And, and fruit doesn't happen overnight. Uh, uh, fruit is being developed. And so every time you're going through the process, I know it stinks. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But actually, it's what's happening inside of us that is producing the fruit of God's spirit. And one of those things is patience. Now, there are conferences for churches all across the um, planet. There are worship conferences. There are pastoral teaching conferences. There are conferences about uh, Christians and finances. I have yet to see a conference called the Patience Conference. Right? There's all kinds of other, well, yeah, charge the world conference, uh, uh, evangelize, but nobody's like, whoa, can't wait for the patience conference. That's a joke, right? Because <laughs> uh, you should wait for the patience. Okay, anyhow. Uh, 
but, but uh, uh, the, it's interesting because the definition of patience, what we would, we would probably, all of us agree to this, means to endure something with calmness. It's the ability to willingly accept or tolerate delay or hardship. But what was interesting to me is the same Latin root word let, that, that we translate patience is also translated passion. It's where the actual Latin word that we get for the passion of Christ. So when I think passion, I think this. I think passion, I'm like, me. Woo, come on, guys. Amen. Hallelujah, right? Like, how many coffees can you have is how I relate to maybe passion. But that's actually not the Latin word. The Latin word translated passion is also translated patience. So here we are in the middle of the process, and we're steadfast, and we just know God is in the middle. You see how I'm doing the process, even backwards? I'm a Michael Jackson moonwalk. Uh, we're, we're going through the process. You're actually showing passion, because that's what Christ was doing, that he, he, he was passionate for us, but he was patient, even though he didn't give up on day, come on, he didn't give up on day one, he didn't say the cross is too difficult, I don't want this, oh, come on, being crucified is going to be too hard, no, it was the passion or the patience of Christ that revolutionized our life, and so while you and I decide to go through that, the fruit of his spirit is patience, but it's also translated passion when we just keep on being steadfast, amen? And uh, there is a cherry tree that is um, one of the most delicate delicacies in the Middle East area, and it is called the sweet cherry tree. And do you know it? When you plant the seed and it begins to grow, it takes seven years before you can even have a cherry that is so good. And I just think about that. The fruit of the spirit, man, it is not a one moment. You're all of a sudden patient. Come on. I, you, cause if you were patient one time on the 405, tomorrow is a second opportunity, right? Uh, to go, what is going on? And, and, but once this wild cherry grows, they say they actually have to be careful because it can overrun the entire orchard. Because once it does start producing fruit, it just starts producing fruit everywhere. And I just think about that. Come on. Once you start producing God's spirit, it doesn't just for your job. Come on. It begins to uh, uh, get a hold of your marriage. It gets a hold of you. Raise When the person says only 10 items or less and you know they have 17 because you counted their cart. Come on. You begin to have even patience there. Come on, somebody. The fruit of God's spirit. Amen. I said amen. Uh, why is this great? And we'll close with just a couple more. Uh, 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 how, uh, who, is this okay? Even if it wasn't, I was going to keep going anyhow. So I'm just glad a couple of you were still there with me. Why is this great? Because the process builds a consistent mindset. Consistency. Lottery mentality every day. And in fact, I said something the last service, and I think, Jamal, your husband actually looked it up because I said, I, I, I couldn't remember the quite day, but you, they have studies. People that win the lottery on average are broke five years later. That, that's the study. 
You win the lottery and we're all like, come on, I could win that. And you already spent it. Are you like me? Have you ever like looked at the number and went, oh yeah, I'm on the strand. Come on, somebody. Uh, and, 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 but they say, if you win the lottery, the average person is broke within five years. But winning the lottery not only affects you financially, like you broke again, but your marriage is like 800% up to get a divorce. You wanna ruin a marriage? Win the lottery. Isn't that weird? But they, con- they show it, contradict it for those who just put some money aside, just kept on putting a little bit and a little bit, compounding year after year. We're just gonna be diligent. We're just gonna do Dave Ramsey's for the 17th time. We're gonna get more white envelopes and have cash in it. Come on, we're just gonna keep on doing everything right. And do you know what happens? Their marriages are better and their finances are better. Why? Because when we are in the process and we know it's just a little bit every day, this is just something that we do all the time. We're not trying to win the lottery with just one thing, but we're trying to build consistency. Come on. It changes everything. Husbands, if the only time you get your wife's flowers, chocolates, or tell her you love her is on Valentine's Day, you are going to be uh, uh, not in a good situation. Come on. If the only time you uh, show up to work was the first day of work, come on, and then you didn't show up, your career's probably not going to go very far. If you've only had one talk with your kids and when you sat them down when they were nine and you told them everything about life and that was the only talk you ever had your kids are going to be messed up because it's consistency that really helps spiritually come on it's 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 reading a little of god's word every day not today going that was so inspiring i'm gonna read all of the bible today Well, you might get through Genesis, but by the time you get to Leviticus, you're going to be done reading the Bible for the rest of your life. Uh, You'll be worn out. But we do that, don't we? Don't we have a lottery-type mentality? Oh, if I can just go to this, if I can just get this, if I could just do that. No, 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 no. It's just consistency. It's just keep on showing up. Just keeps on going to church. Come on, just keep on reading your Bible little by little. Come on, just keep on telling your wife every day you love her. And come on, it's every day talking to your kids. Come on, it's every day showing up at work with an attitude of I'm here to serve. I'm here to make you a success. Come on, you do those little things and you will see success because you trusted the process. But if it's a mentality of lottery, that oh, Valentine's is coming up. Come on, you're going to be in trouble if that's the only time you've told your spouse you love her. Okay, I'm just going to keep preaching. Last one. I can't get any amens. Worship team, might as well come up. They're not with me. They're done. Come on, worship team. I trust the process. I know what's happening right now. Come on. Last one. Uh, uh, Why? You know, just on that, don't ever let the enemy um, make you think the mundane isn't working. Don't ever let the enemy talk you out of what seems mundane is not working because it actually is working if you just trust the process. Last one, the process increases endurance and it increases stamina. Come on, every time you're out there, you're just building more strength. You're just saying, come on, I can do this. Every time it's a difficult situation at work and you just say, nope, I'm gonna trust the process. You just keep on going. You know, uh, when I was in, 
uh, Rachel and I were in uh, Bible school, there were so many more talented people, so many more gifted. I'm not saying, not you, me, when I say that. No one is as gifted and talented as you. But do you, do, just when, like, when we both started out in ministry, junior high ministry, little desk, um, there were so many people in our youth conferences and there was so much more articulate, uh, way more learned in the things of God, way better vocabulary. I'm like a dude, kind of like, dude, God says, dude. Uh, uh, maybe um, more prestigious schooling, maybe a better, bigger church or platform influence. And you know, it's easy sometimes, 2021, to get envious of other people. Be like, oh, oh. You know, Rachel and I just put our heads down. Just let's not look at all that. Let's just look at what God has called us to do. So we just served in junior high. Just served in junior high ministry. All the kids, no deodorant. Just kept serving. Then they put us over high school. We just kept serving. Pretty soon we were over junior high, high school, college age. Kept serving. Next thing, hey, Israel and Rachel, can you oversee all of Christian education? Can you just see from college age all the way down to elementary just be over it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kept serving. Moved to Orlando. High school youth pastor. Just kept serving. Just, just kept on serving. Kept on serving. Kept on serving. My pastor would go. He called me the day of church. Call me, Nextel. Remember Nextel? Beep, beep. You get that beep? Nextel, hey, I don't feel good today. You're preaching this morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just faithful preaching. Then we moved and took over a church in North Carolina. Just faithful. Ten years in North Carolina. Talk about trusting the process. Oh, my Lord. Biggest store in our town was Walmart. Have you? Oh, hallelujah. Year one, our first anniversary was in LA. We drove from Seattle in our Nissan Sentra. Yeah, trust the process. Uh, we came to LA and we were like, this feels like home. I love this. These are my people. This is where I want to... Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You're here too. Come on, it's the LA. But you know what? We didn't move there that year. Still youth pastoring in Seattle. Youth pastoring in Orlando. Senior pastoring in North Kakalaka. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Just trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process. People that were smarter. People that were better. Just, they're not even in the race. Some of them just aren't even in church anymore. Because they tried to compare. Tried to do, and I could have been so easy to try to do that. Can I just tell you? Just take one step at a time. 
one day at a time. Trust the process and God will work it out. Here we are now in Hermosa Beach, California. I would have, when we were, when we, when we came the first time, we would have, just to be in California, we would have settled for Fresno. Come on. Now we're in Hermosa Beach, California. No hate to Fresno. I'm just saying, come on. You could have settled, but we just got to trust the process. Amen. Is that all right? Would you stand with me? I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. God's going to give you endurance. God's going to give you strength. He's going to do something incredible in your life. I'm going to put this over here, but I'm not going to hit the keys. Did the last service I hit the key? You were playing so good, and then it and so I won't do that. Be really nice. I, I just, a couple things that I wanted to do today is I wanted to, number one, encourage some of you because you are in the middle of the process. And when you're in the middle of it, oh, it's tough. Anybody in the middle of a tough situation right now? Man, it feels like a fan, all those hands going up. Come on, anybody in the middle of a tough situation? And just like Saul, he gave up on the seventh time. Can you imagine the children of Israel, fourth day? I, I'm telling you, I'm a fourth day kind of quitter. Like three days, I'm good. But fourth day, I'm just like, enough already. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like, come on. They would have missed out on their future. And the thing is, once Jericho went down, that lined them up for the other 30 kings to go down. Come on, you win the victory today, you're going to win the next 30 days in August. Come on, 31 days. Come on, you, you can have that victory. So I just want to pray for you supernatural strength today to not get removed from the process, but to keep going through the process. Because through the process, God's going to do something incredible in your life. Come on, anybody believe that? Would you lift up those hands towards heaven? Say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, I trust the process. I believe right now you're going to empower and you're going to strengthen me to get through this season in Jesus name. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, say amen. I just read um, a true story uh, just a couple weeks ago that there was a young uh, boy, I believe he was like 12, 14 years of age, lived in Florida, was coming home from school on a very hot Florida humid day and they actually lived on a lake and so as he was running past the house his mom saw him taking off his shirt got had his shorts on and and she saw him jump in off the dock into the lake and she was so proud of her son but she saw when he jumped in she saw something move out of the corner of her eye and she saw that an alligator while he jumped in an alligator started swimming towards her boy of course as any mom would do she freaked out comes running outside tries to get her son's attention and like every young boy when his mom's screaming is like what are you freaking out about like come on mom I'm just swimming but he looked over and saw what his mom was freaking out about and he started swimming like Michael Phelps started swimming come on swimming towards the dock swimming towards the dock well unfortunately he wasn't fast enough and that alligator actually grabbed that boy by the legs and his mom reached down and grabbed the boy's arms and there was a tug-of-war between the boy and the alligator 
And of course, she was screaming, and I'm sure he was screaming too. Uh, uh, And there were these screams, and the neighbor actually heard the screams, came with his shotgun, you can only do that in Florida, right? Uh, uh, and, And came and shot the alligator, and the boy was rushed to the emergency room, and he actually survived the ordeal. Uh, just a great story, right? And so uh, it took him about three weeks in the hospital to recover. And at the end of his recovery, the local newspaper came. They had a photographer and a journalist asking him about the ordeal, taking pictures. And they said, hey, can we get a picture of your scars? So, of course, the boy rolled up his pants and showed the scars of the alligator bites and they were pretty gruesome and they took a picture and they were out the door and he's like wait a minute you didn't get don't don't you want to get a picture of all the scars and they were confused the journalist was like well yeah what other scars do you have and he rolled up his shirt sleeves and he showed the scars of his mom who was hanging on to him for dear life that there were marks all over his arms because she refused to let go and i just was thinking about in life how depression will try to pull on you and i suicide will try to pull sadness will try to pull hurt will try to pull addictions will try to pull so many things will try to pull on us and what we'll do is if we're not careful we can be like this journalist that will only put the attention on what the enemy has tried to do and what the enemy has tried to put us under but this boy had a revelation that i think is so appropriate to all of us that even when there's an enemy and even when there's something else trying to pull you under there is always somebody called our god who says i am not going to let go i am not going to let the enemy pull you under i am not going to let the enemy's things happen and she held on for dear life and come on if that boy can show the scars of his mom how much more should we be able to talk about the scars that we have of our god saying i will not let go i am not gonna let the process hurt the process uh, kill come on and then jesus 2000 years ago he comes back and says check out my scars come on that i have for all humanity and i don't know who you are right now but the pool has been strong but can i tell you god's grip is stronger than anything else that's been trying to pull you down whether it's depression whether it's an addiction whether it's trauma drama come on whether it's just hurt or disappointment god's got a hold of you and he's not gonna let go and i think some of us just need to be encouraged and remember that in jesus name amen come on can we lift our hands towards heaven and just say this with me come on just say jesus thank you for not letting go come on Jesus thank you you've got a hold of me I trust you and I trust this process in Jesus name amen would you just close your eyes just real quick and bow your head you know the Bible says there's a story of a prodigal son a son who went a different direction and 
and got pulled by the cares of this world and the desires of this world. But the Bible says that Jesus described his father as waiting at the porch for his son to return. What a pool. What a, I'm looking for you. I'm waiting for you. And just this morning, as I told that story, you know, it's so easy to get pulled from sin. I know my own story as a teenager, just pulled away with rebellion, pulled away with depression, suicide. And I'm so grateful that I had a mom (laughs) that wouldn't let go. She continued to pray for me. I'm so glad I had a God who would not let go. And this morning, I don't know where you're at with your salvation. I don't know where you're at with your relationship with God. But can I tell you, I don't think it's by accident that you're here this morning. I actually believe it is one more sign where God says, I have not letting go of you. I care for you. I love you. I know you've been through a season, but I'm telling you, I have been there the whole time and I refuse to let go. And so this morning, if you would just say, you know what, that's me. I I, I, I don't have a relationship relationship with Christ and I want to this morning for the very first time say Jesus would you come into my heart or maybe this morning you'd say yeah I backslid I've walked away but he never let go of me he continues to tug on my heart he continues to hold me and pull me back into his purpose and destiny you know what this morning is a great morning to just surrender and to say God I want you to lead me Jesus would you come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior and with every head bowed and all eyes closed I'm just going to simply just ask a quick prayer and I'm just going to ask you on the count of three if that's you you want to accept Jesus Christ as your savior for the very first time or this morning you'd say I want to rededicate recommit I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand on the count of three so I know who I'm praying with and who I'm praying for and then we're going to all of us together say a quick prayer and then afterwards come on your life is going to be changed and you can be like this boy they can say ha come on these are some of the things that tried to get me but can I tell you I have a God who would not let go and my life is completely changed come on with every head bowed all eyes are closed if that's you I'm just simply going to count to three you say I need to accept Jesus Christ for the first time or this morning you'd say I want to rededicate recommit my life I don't want God to let go of me just lift up that hand right where you're at and we're going to say a prayer come on one come on two come on three hands are already going up would you just lift it up high enough and long enough so that I can see it awesome yep I see that hand there 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 anyone else just wave it to me so I know who I'm praying with and for that's awesome you can put those hands down everybody would you say this prayer with me say Jesus come on say it loud say Jesus thank you for not giving up on me thank you for dying on the cross for my sins raising on the third day so that I could live a transformed life today Jesus I repent of my past and I press towards my future of serving you thank you that today is just the beginning of the greatest days of my life serving you in Jesus name Amen. Come on, what are they doing in heaven right now for people that said that prayer? What are they doing in heaven?
Thank you for listening to the Flourishing Church Podcast. If you like this episode, please be sure to share it with your family and friends. If you have a prayer request or would like more information about Flourishing Church, you can check out our website at www.flourishing.church. Or you can text us, text FLOURISHING to 94000. Tune in next week for another amazing podcast episode, and we hope you have a blessed week.